This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, we're going to talk about falling your taxes. So it's that time of year again. In fact, the Canada Revenue Agency has already started accepting returns as of February 20th. So if you're in process of preparing your taxes, we have advice to ensure you're getting your best return. Joining me now with some tips for your taxes is Mike Trahey. He's a senior manager with our tax group here at BDO Canada in Newfoundland and Labrador. And Melanie Maynard, team lead with Canada Revenue Agency's Newfoundland and Labrador's contact center. So thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Nancy. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, Melanie, I'll start with you, I think. Let's really start with the basics. So who is required to file an income tax return here in Canada? Absolutely, Nancy. So you must file a tax return if you worked in Canada and you have to pay tax for the 2022 tax year or if you want to claim a refund. That's really important. It's also important to file a tax return if you're looking to obtain benefits and credits. These could be, but not limited to the Canada Child Benefit or the Goods and Services Sales Tax, more commonly known as GSTC. We have a full list of those required to file on the Government of Canada Revenue Agency website if you need further clarification on who is expected to file. That's great. And so, Mike, we're filing, you know, obviously a lot of taxes for different individuals and, and corporations uh, here at BDO. What paperwork is required when we're preparing and, and we're getting those tax returns ready for filing? Uh, so, Nancy, for, for personal tax returns, I mean, you want to get all your employment slips. So that can be, you know, your T4, T5s for investment income, T3s for, for trust income, uh, T4As for, for contractor revenues. You know, you want to make sure you have all your slips. So, I mean, a lot of the most common ones that you'll see are, you know, your RRSP slips, uh, tuition slips, um, student loan interest, medical expenses, child care costs, donations, a- any self-employment information if you're a self-employed individual. Uh, rental information if uh, if you have rental properties uh, those would probably be the most common ones and I, and I do think it's important to uh, to kind of make sure that you have everything together before you get your taxes done because it does um, it does add extra time if, if you do piecemeal or if you file a return without all the with all the uh, information at once and of course then you're looking at reassessments which you can take uh, considerable periods of time right because obviously revenue yeah. planner is getting through the current year filings before they would ever look at uh, any sort of reassessment C- correct yeah the reassessments take a long time to process if um, if you're into that boat right for sure and so Melanie there's deadlines for filing your return and uh, I'll, I'll get you to tell our listeners a little bit about the deadlines but more importantly why it's so important to meet those filing deadlines As you mentioned earlier, Nancy, we started taking tax returns on February 20th for the 2022 tax tax year. And the filing deadline for most Canadians is typically April 30th. But because that deadline falls on a Sunday this year, you have until Monday to file the return, so Monday, May 1st. And we will consider your tax return filed if it's postmarked.
tax by May 1st. And if you're getting a refund or your tax balance is zero, there are no penalties for sending your return in after the deadline. But if you do file late, you could be subject to penalties and interest. Yeah, and no one wants that, right? <laughs> so, Mike, can you yeah. tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how it might be different for self-employed individuals and really what those ta- those interest and penalties can look like? Yeah, so, I mean, so self-employed individuals actually aren't required to file their tax returns until June 15th. However, there's a little bit of a new nuance there in that um, if you owe CRA tax, that the uh, that the interest actually does start to accrue on April 30th. So what we tell most of our self-employed individuals is, you know, you know, April 30th is really your deadline or in this case this year, you know, May 1st or the, the first Monday, I mean. So, you know, it's super important to file your taxes on time because the penalties and the interest associated with late filing can be significant. So if you have a balance owing and you're not filed by your deadline, your, your penalty is actually 5% of your balance owing plus then an extra 1% per month up to 12 months. It gets worse if you're a repeat failure to file. So if, you, if you've missed your filing deadlines a couple of times, I think it's twice in the last three years, uh, that, that actually doubles. So you, you end up paying 10% of your balance is a penalty and then an additional 2% per month of interest gets charged. So that can add up very quickly. Even on smaller balances, that can add up very quickly. So it's it's very important to get your returns filed on time. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And of course, in my practice, I see regularly, I would say, that are who have filed late. And so oftentimes the debt they actually owe Revenue Canada is a fraction of what the outstanding balance is because of the extent of the interest and penalties. So big proponent of making sure that you get that filed on time and paid on time. And I think right now, Melanie, there's probably more options than ever, right, for Canadians to file their returns. So what can you tell us about that? Absolutely. There are numerous ways you can file your tax returns these days. Uh, We do have some taxpayers who still prefer to paper file their return. And as I mentioned, as long as they're postmarked by May 1st, we'll accept those. We have the NextFile certified software, which is an electric filing, electronic rather filing method. And you can do that yourself. We have certified softwares on Canada.ca for those who are interested. You can visit a tax preparer and they can use an e-file certified tax software to electronically file your return. There's paper file, as I mentioned. Um, There's a file my return option, which is an automatic phone line, but this is by invitation only. And we have our community volunteer tax clinics, which, you know, specialize in low income and simple returns. And if you're interested in visiting one of those, CRA has set up a free tax clinic page on its website. That's great. So if you want to know about a, a community tax clinic, go to the Revenue Canada website and find one that you can uh, sign up or register for because I'm guessing it's probably not a walk-in clinic. Most of them, at least when I participated in preparing uh, a few years ago with the CPA uh, Newfoundland Labrador Tax Clinic, it was by uh, appointment. And of course, you can still mail in your, your tax return as well. I'm sure there's not as much of that as there used to be, but I'm sure some people are still uh, mailing their returns. And as you said, as long as it's postmarked, it will be considered filed on time. So we know that there's often some mistakes that people make in filing the returns. And, you know, I'd say, you know, one of the, the biggest mistakes is not filing the return on time and not paying the taxes owing on time because it has a significant impact, as we discussed, with penalties and interest. But, Mike, what are some other common mistakes that people make uh, in filing their taxes? 
Well, uh, I briefly touched on it just just a little earlier that um, you know missing slips is is a big mistake that happens a lot of the time, and you know a lot of the time that happens, you know people are in a rush to get their taxes in as quickly as possible, and then they miss slips, and and you know sometimes they can be investment slips which will have additional income, so you're into you know reassessments from CRA. Sometimes it's RSP slips as well. I mean it's pretty common that people miss their um, their contributions within the first 60 days of the following year. Um, so you know that depending on the amount of money could be a pretty significant amount um, any given year that you're missing out on and then presumably not claiming until the following year. Um, you know, claiming non-eligible expenses, I mean, there have been a ton of things that have been deductible over the years that, you know, have changed. I remember... I mean, it's probably 10 or 15 years ago now. I used to be able to deduct safety deposit box fees. Like, that's not a thing anymore. There, there, there's a, a full laundry list of things like that. Probably the biggest thing, um, and, you know, probably will get you in the most trouble as well, is uh, not reporting income. So really the... the, the most prevalent place that I would say that I see this in is is in the restaurant industry and uh, with tips. Um, if you're getting tips, you really should be reporting those tips as income. I have seen firsthand some very large reassessments get done on, you know, group audits and whatnot uh, that, that hit individuals that were receiving tips and the amounts were huge. So I think that yeah. that's one that you can get yourself into a lot of trouble very quickly. Yeah, and I know we've done whole shows, honestly, on side hustles in the gig economy because, you know, it's high inflation that we've seen over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months and the rising interest rates. People are looking for additional sources of income. So it's never been more frequent that people would have side hustles or, or working in the gig economy to generate some extra cash flow. So really important to your point that they are claiming that additional um, revenue, additional income on their, their taxes. Uh, absolutely. And so, Melanie, of course, it's always important if you're not sure, right? So when in doubt, check it out, right? So go to the CRA website, and I'm sure there on the website, people will be able to review what they can and cannot claim on their taxes. And, of course, you want to make sure whatever you're putting on your taxes, you've got the supporting documentation in case of an audit, correct? Absolutely. When in doubt, check it out. I certainly encourage viewers who are in the process of preparing their taxes to go to the CRA website and review what can and cannot be claimed. As Mike mentioned, a lot of things have changed over the last couple of years. It can save you a lot of time, cost, you know, reassessments in the future, reviews, concern to ensure that you're filing correctly. Doing so will ensure you're not missing any of the tax changes, tax changes that occurred in the past few years, and it may result in a larger return. That's right. And of course, when it comes to filing taxes, that's what everyone's hoping for, right? That they're going to see some sort of a tax refund. But, you know, deductions and credits really help with that. And it's so important to understand the difference between these and what you can and cannot claim. So we're going to have some advice on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland, Labrador. Well, it's tax time, and as we were talking about in the first segment, it's really important to make sure that you do get your taxes filed on time. And here to tell us the best way to do that and ensure that you're getting a refund or paying as little tax as possible is Senior Tax Manager Mike Trahey. He works at BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland, Labrador. And Melanie Maynard, Team Lead at Canada 
our new agency's Newfoundland and Labrador Contact Center. So, of course, as we said, the one thing everyone's hoping for this time of year is that they don't have to pay in. And in fact, they're looking to, to hopefully get a refund, especially today where everyone's uh, cash flow is a little less due to inflation and uh, rising interest rates. But deductions and credits help with this. So let's talk a little bit about this now. So, Mike, when it comes to deductions and credits and preparing your return, what do listeners need to know? What's the difference in, in the both of these? Well, you see, the the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit, like a deduction is a direct deduction to your taxable income. So the benefit that you have actually depends on your tax bracket. So two individuals can have the can have very different amount of savings from this from the same type of deduction depending on their taxable income. And I think your best uh, your best example of that is RRSPs. If you're you know a high income earner, an RRSP deduction can be very significant. If you're a low income earner, it may have a very little difference, very small difference. A tax credit, on the other hand, is a direct reduction of the tax payable, and it's based on a predetermined formula that remains the same for everyone, depending on what your income level is. So that would be, you know, your first-time home buyer's amount or, or your basic personal amount. So as far as, you know, common deductions go, so, you know, your RSPs, your home office deduction, um, a deduction for employment expenses, union and professional dues, childcare, moving expenses, northern residence deduction if you're in Labrador, um, those would be a lot of the most common, you know, deductions that you would see. Um, when it comes to credits, you know, everybody gets their basic personal amount. You know, you get an age amount depending on your age, disability amount, uh, volunteer firefighter or search and rescue, first-time home buyers, tuition, student loan, donations, medical. Like that's obviously not an exhaustive list by any means, as there's a ton for for each of those. But those are like some of your most common examples. Oh, that's great. And it's really important that people understand, right, what they can and, and can claim because it can make a significant difference in either owing tax or, or getting a refund. So, Melanie, what are some of the changes that people should be aware of this year? So in Newfoundland, we have um, brought in the climate action incentive payment. So that would be new for tax recipients of Newfoundland. They'd have to, you know, do their tax returns to be eligible for that. And the first payment for that would be coming out in July. Um, we have the Canada dental benefit, the one-time top-ups for the Canada housing benefit. Um, you know, Mike mentioned some first-time homebuyer tax credits. There's, you know, and the continuing of the disability tax credits, those things are, are things that people would want to apply for credit-wise, and the disability tax credit will help, the deduction that will help reduce their tax payable for sure. That's great. And, Mike, if we look at, so we know that, for example, um, things like moving expenses, childcare expenses, home office expenses, there's some allowable deductions for that, but it, it is specific in that it says eligible childcare, eligible moving expenses, and, and, and eligible home office. So what is the eligibility criteria for some of those things? So, so for each of those things, the eligibility criteria actually, um, like it varies depending on what you're claiming. So if you get into, you know, a home office deduction, there's a couple of different ways that you can claim it. One of, one of which is the simplified method. And then there's a detailed method, but really it comes down to, you know, more than 50% of your job has to be being completed from home or because of COVID related reasons. Um, so that, that's probably the most basic one there. I mean, 
medical expenses are probably one of the most tangly ones, even though you would think on the surface they wouldn't be difficult at all. But um, but an eligible medical expense actually depends on the definition of a qualified medical practitioner, which is actually different in every province. So, for example, on that, you know, uh, services provided by a naturopath aren't a deductible expense in Newfoundland, whereas in other provinces they could be. So medical is probably where you end up with the most, um, I would say, the most differences. And especially, you know, we all have family, you know, living in different provinces, you know, and you, and you hear through the, oh, you know, so-and-so claimed this. Well, in each province, the rules on that actually differ. So you need to be very careful on, on medical. Um, when it comes to, you know, like your disability tax credit, like in order, you've got to get approved for your disability tax credit um, by the CRA first. So there's a ton of different criteria that need to be met met on that in, in order to meet uh, in order to meet the eligibility criteria. Um, one thing I will actually mention on that, uh, it wasn't mentioned there before, is that with the disability tax credit this year, um, it is available now to persons diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, um, as CRA actually has a publication out there saying that it uh, that would meet the threshold for uh, life-sustaining therapy. So that, that's been a little bit of a change because depending on the type of diabetes, some people have been able to get it and some haven't, but it sounds like they're, they're broadening the, uh, the ranges on that. So for that, that actually doesn't get completed with your tax return. That would actually be filed out by your, uh, by your medical practitioner and sent into CRA that way. And then if it's approved, you would get your, you would get your credit. And just uh, one other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on, on that just with respect to the changes for 2022. Uh, it's not directly related to anybody's personal tax return, but uh, but this year um, it was implemented that there was a, a new underused housing tax uh, for 2022. It's a tax on vacant or underused housing. It's going to typically only apply to non-resident owners. However, it can apply to some Canadians as well. So if you have, um, if you have a residential uh, rental property, it, it's very worthwhile to have a chat with uh, with a tax practitioner to uh, to just make sure that, that you're um, that if you do or don't have to file that form. It's an additional new form. It doesn't go with your personal tax return, so it's uh, totally separate. But I think it's I don't think it's been very widely broadcast, and the penalties can be fairly significant. Well, I was going to say that, Mike. I mean, it, you're right. When I first heard about this, you know, the media stories that came out around it, it really seems that this was something that was going to apply to non-resident Canadians only. And so if you were a Canadian resident to own property, this was not going to apply to you. But as you really dig into the legislation, there's some things in there that aren't as, as cut and dry and aren't as black and white. And if I understand correctly, for even if you don't owe any tax... If you're required to file and you don't, the penalty is as high as five thousand dollars. Is that right for an individual? Correct. So, so even if you don't, or sorry, even if you meet one of the exceptions, which you know most um, most Canadians will meet that meet those exceptions. Um, again, it doesn't have to be analyzed, but mo- most should, I would think. You are still required to file. The, the penalty can be up to five thousand dollars for an individual, and it can be up to ten thousand dollars for a corporation. So, if you're holding if you're holding rental properties inside of a Canadian corporation, um, something that you really want to talk to an advisor on because uh, the penalties can be very, very, very substantial. 
Absolutely. And it doesn't cost a whole lot, uh, if anything at all, to have that initial uh, conversation with the tax practitioner. And that may be one of the more important calls that you could make at uh, this tax season just to understand and not make the assumption that it's not something that is expected uh, of you to file. Well, correct. It'd be, you know, it, it'll be far, far cheaper to have a, an initial conversation, you know, with someone like myself or another tax practitioner than to get a surprise $10,000 uh, tax bill in the mail. So trying to determine what you can and can't claim and staying on top of tax changes can make preparing taxes a challenge for many people. So when should you consider hiring an expert? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels, newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So as we've been talking about, it is tax season and we're offering some tips on how you can best file your tax return this year. So joining me for the discussion is a senior manager in our tax uh, practice here at BDO Canada, Mike Trahey, and Melanie Maynard, team lead at Canada Revenue Agency's Newfoundland and Labrador Contact Centre. So filing a return really should be a straightforward process for many. However, for others, it can be and, and will often is a challenge, especially when you get into deductions and credits like we talked about in the last segment and being uh, uncertain as to what you qualify or don't qualify for and what supporting documentation you may need in order to ensure you qualify and all those types of things. So Mike, when should you consider hiring a professional to file your taxes? Well, like I'll start it off with, you know, not everybody needs a tax specialist. If if you just have a T4 and some RSP slips and it is pretty basic, I mean, you don't need one. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't go to one because, you know, any time that you're not comfortable completing your own tax return, you, you shouldn't hesitate to reach out for, for help. Um, when would I, you know, seriously recommend having a specialist? Well, if you've got a significant investment portfolio, especially if any portion of that that is foreign. There, there's additional um, there's additional tax reporting there that needs to happen that also can carry some big uh, penalties if you don't do it. Um, if you've sold shares of a private corporation in the year, there are a laundry list of um, di- different deductions and that that need to be analyzed uh, that you could get in trouble if it was reported incorrectly. Um, if you sold any properties in the year, e- even if it's your home, your, your principal residence, um, there is some reporting that needs to happen there and there can be penalties uh, associated with not reporting it, even though it doesn't necessarily drive any additional tax. Um, if you hold any foreign property, so I mean, the, one of the more common ones that I would see are, you know, individuals that have condos in Florida. Um, you know, if, if you have property in, in the States, it's a very good idea to be talking to a tax, a tax specialist uh, to make sure that uh, your reporting requirements are being met there, because I've seen, I've seen some people get in trouble on that, that in the past. Um, if you have any sort of rental properties or, or if you're self-employed, I mean, your, your, your tax returns are going to get more complicated with each of those additional things. And it doesn't hurt to have a, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a specialist um, on hand for, for those types of uh, tax returns. And so, Mike, we're talking about tax specialists or, you know, tax advisors. What would you see as the difference being between a tax specialist or tax advisor uh, and a tax preparer? 
Well, in, in my view on that, Nancy, you know, a tax preparer is somebody that, you know, you're, you're going to bring in your information. They're going to file it and they'll file it fine based on, you know, the information that they gave, that you gave them. However, they're probably not going to pry you for any additional information and they're probably not going to sit with you and actually plan anything for the future. Um, whereas like a, a tax specialist, like someone like myself would, um, if you're, if you, you know, if you were a client of mine, you'd come in, we'd probably meet multiple times a year. We, we plan out, you know, how are you getting your compensation? You know, how are you, how are you utilizing your RSPs? All of those things throughout the year. Really, when you get to this point, and actually at this point of the year now, we're past the uh, March 1st deadline for RSPs. There's nothing you can really do for 2022 year end that's proactive. It's all reactive at this point. So if, 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 I was describing the difference there. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely the amount of touch points and it's definitely, um, it's definitely the, the future looking planning versus the just getting done last year. And, and to that point though, that comes obviously does come with a cost and tax specialists uh, or advisors would tend to be fairly significantly more expensive than a, than a preparer. And of course, you know, for people who have complex tax situations or, you know, depending on the level of income and and wealth that they have, tax planning can make a huge difference, right, in the amount of tax that they would put pay as they go into the future and into retirement and all those things. So well worth uh, contacting a tax advisor if that is your situation. So I want to focus a little bit now on self-employed people specifically. We mentioned in uh, one of the last segments that more and more Canadians are operating in the gig economy now simply because they need to generate cash flow to afford their everyday living with inflation and, and rising interest rates. So a lot of side hustles going on out there. So Melanie, any advice for self-employed or gig workers? Um, you know, what things should they be taking into consideration when it comes to filing their taxes? What is Revenue Canada going to be looking for? So this year, the CRA has additional support for uh, self-employed workers or gig workers, and they can call and speak with a CRA agent at, you know, our contact centers if they have questions. They may have questions about their common expenses, such as business insurance, office expenses, which Mike touched on earlier, professional fees, interest in bank uh, changes, motor vehicle expenses, home office expenses, which we've seen a lot of in the pandemic especially, capital cost allowance, just to name a few. And in terms of these expenses, um, you know, if they're confused when filing their tax returns, it it certainly doesn't hurt to contact somebody who will be able to walk them through how to properly complete their forms or what papers they might need when they're filing the return, because documentation is definitely important. Absolutely. And because, you know, many of these things are, you know, side hustles and it's not necessarily um, a main business. Although, you know, you mentioned office expenses, motor vehicle, home office, like those things are eligible expenses. Like it's not like a one for one, right? So it depends on, on, on how you're using those things, correct? Correct. So if you're using a motor vehicle for business purposes, there's unless it's fully for business purposes, which is, I mean, it would be rare um, in this situation, in a self-employment situation, you would have to prorate that based on your actual business usage, right? So CRA would would uh, request that you uh, have a logbook to support that. Um, you know, your home office would be done based on the square footage of, of your office versus your home. So if you paid, let's say you paid $10,000 a 
of home expenses in the year and your home office is you know 10% of the square footage of your home you only get to deduct $1000 um so so that's that's i mean that's that's a common misconception that uh, oh you know i can deduct you know all of my house expenses as my home office it's, it's no it's it's whatever you're using for that home office pro rata yeah, and that is a very important distinction because it can make a huge difference, right? Especially if the home office, like I said, is 10%. That's that's a big difference than claiming a, 100% of the expenses that are there. So you definitely want to make sure you're getting that right. And when it comes to self-employed, um, like, it, you know, oftentimes, you know, when you're, well, not oftentimes, always, I guess, when you're employed, your employer is deducting uh, CPC contributions. So is there a distinction to be made with self employed individuals and any additional filing requirements? Absolutely. So, so on one, you know, we, we kind of, you know, touched on it a little bit earlier in the show that, you know, a self-employed tax return does end up being a more complicated tax return. Um, your CPP and EI, you know, contributions, th- those would be calculated as part of your, your tax return. So that, that, that isn't something that would automatically be deducted, but it's also, you know, your actual income tax isn't going to be deducted as well. Like it would be on a T4. If you were in a, you know, a, a salaried employee, you have, have income tax coming out on every check. So a lot of people that get into a self-employment situation uh, end up with a with a bigger tax bill at the end of the year just because there's no tax being deducted throughout the year. So that tends to be a surprise sometimes for some folks. Um, the other thing is uh, that that also surprises frequently is uh, the, re- the uh, requirement to register for HSD. So if you're a self-employed right. individual and you have greater than $30,000 of uh, gross sales over any four quarters, which doesn't necessarily have to fall in a calendar year, uh, you're actually required to register as a HST um, registrant and remit HST, and then you get to claim HST on your expenses as well. But it is another way of complication and it, it doesn't take a whole lot i know we're kind of talking side hustles but it it doesn't take a whole lot to reach that threshold um especially over any four quarters so so that's something to be very very careful on you can if you're self-employed you can register for hst um right from the be- right from the beginning as well you don't have to necessarily hit that thirty thousand. so you will see in some situations if somebody knows they're going to hit that thirty thousand, they may register right off right off the, the, the beginning but um but that's not a requirement it's only a requirement once you've hit the uh, thirty thousand dollar threshold so it sounds like you know especially if this is your first year where you you're making self-employed or working in the gig economy to drive additional income it might make sense especially like i said if it's your first year to reach out to a professional uh, to at least get some advice even if you don't get your end up getting your return uh, prepared would you agree I would absolutely agree. It's, uh, I, I've had many people come in just, just, just to get some advice on getting set up. I may have never done any work with them afterwards, but uh, just to get set up and say, hey, look, this is what you got to, uh, th- this is what you got to look for, and make sure that it's not a big surprise, you know, at the end of the year or or, or later on when a bunch of these things hit, because um, it can be a lot of tax, and it can it can be a lot of tax at one time, especially if if you've got HST returns that need to be filed on top of your, you know, personal income tax, uh, your, your business income from, from self-employment that also wouldn't have any, any tax withheld on it. You, you could end up in a fairly sizable, um, fairly sizable payable position um, if, if you're not paying attention. 
Uh, absolutely. But of course, it's important to remember uh, that, you know, your tax advisor or your tax preparer are, are doing this based on the information that you're providing them, right? So, Melanie, I'm sure you would agree that although you may assign the job to someone else to prepare or advise you on your taxes, the taxpayer is always primarily responsible for their income tax returns and, and the information contained in them, correct? Absolutely. It's definitely the responsibility of the taxpayer to ensure that they have all of their information ready to provide to the tax preparer so they can file based on what they're told. That's right. So not everyone who files a tax return, of course, is going to receive a refund. And as I say, the only things in life guaranteed are debt and taxes. So if you owe, of course, you need to pay, and it's really important that you pay on time. But what if you complete your return and find you owe, but you're unable to pay the amount in full? Well, we're going to have some advice on that when we come back. Please stay with us. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with BDO. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, licensed insolvency trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. So joining me today is Mike Trahey. He's a senior manager in the tax practice of BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland. And Melanie Maynard, team lead at Canada Revenue Agency's Newfoundland and Labrador Contact Centre. So we've been talking about filing your taxes, and of course, it's that time of year where Canadians are really busy gathering all the paperwork that they need to get their tax returns filed. And while the process varies from person to person, as we've been talking about, one thing that is common to everyone is that they're hoping that they don't have to pay. But of course, we know that that's often not the case. And so, Melanie, what advice do you have for those who do owe money when they when they prepare their tax return, but they can't afford to pay the tax owing in full right now? The CRA understands that, you know, times are hard. This is a difficult time for taxpayers, uh, especially given, you know, the last couple of years of the pandemic. But it's important that even if you cannot pay your tax balance in full, that you file your return on time. And it's important that this is communicated with the CRA and that we can put a plan in place to help you meet your tax obligations. Because, Nancy, ignoring it doesn't make it go away. In fact, ignoring it can make other problems. You're going to accrue interest. You're... You know, penalties are possible. Um, we want to make sure that we assist you the best we can. So if you reach out to a, an agent at the contact center, they'll be able to help you put a payment arrangement in place. That's great. And I think this year, too, there's a self-service tool, right, that will help you sort of get an idea for what the payment arrangement could look like or, or maybe submit a potential payment arrangement to Revenue Canada. Is that right? There is. So we are, you know, we promote the My Account, which is our online tool for individuals. And there's a My Business account for business owners. And in the My Account, for, for certain, there's a payment arrangement calculator that can help taxpayers calculate a payment arrangement based on their their needs without having to contact with the area by phone if they prefer. Yeah, and that's great because at least then it gives people an idea, right? And then if they still want to follow up with a conversation with with an individual, they've sort of got a, a starting point there. But it is really important to communicate uh, with Revenue Canada, as you said, Melanie, at, at tax time when you're owing taxes, because it doesn't go away and it would actually can compound and get much worse if you're not uh, communicating. Oftentimes people are afraid, right, to contact Revenue Canada because they don't think there's another option if they can't pay in full. So what would you tell people who sort of have that fear of contacting Revenue Canada? 
our agents are absolutely ready and willing to help. Um, they're individual taxpayers, just like everybody else. And we understand that times are hard and, you know, ignoring tax debt is not an option. Um, and to avoid payments and collection calls from you know, Canada Revenue, that could lead to further issues such as having your accounts frozen or liens on your property or, you know, your, your tax state debt escalating. It's better to call and have that conversation with one of our agents who are more than willing to help. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, like I said, in my practice, uh, I see debtors who are struggling to, to pay back their debt, and, and sometimes that debt includes tax debt to Revenue can. And as I mentioned earlier, oftentimes the interest and penalties are the largest part of the debt. Not always, but what is often the case. And that's because, you know, it has um, gone on for, for so long, right, without making those uh, those arrangements. So really important to make sure that you're communicating with them and, and putting a plan in place. So we've talked about interest in, and penalties, Mike, but how is interest applied to the taxes that are owed? So, so the interest gets applied to the taxes that are owed uh, every month. So as we mentioned there a little bit earlier, um, it's uh, 1% per month is actually what the what the going rate is now for, for late balances. Um, if you're a repeat failure to file, it actually goes up to 2% per month. So it, um, it, it compounds very quickly. And I know we're not in we're not we're, we're not in particularly uh, good interest rate times these days. Um, it, it it it's going to compound very fast, and it it can even even smaller balances can get out of hand um, relatively quickly um, if they're not addressed. Yeah, and I think that's important for people to know too is that it is compounding, right? So the interest is on interest, right? As you let it, mm-hmm. as you let it go, because it's on the entire balance, including the interest, as as those months continue. And one percent a month might not sound like a lot, but to your point, it adds up extremely quickly. So one of the other things that I wanted to talk about um, is sort of like the the different fraudulent activity. And next week we're going to be talking about all kinds of of fraud, but one of the things that comes up every year when we do our our fraud prevention uh, show is around those scams, right, where people are pretending to be a CRA officer. So, Melanie, how can people avoid this? If they're getting contacted by CRA or they think they're being contacted by CRA, they're receiving a text or a phone call saying that they're going to be arrested unless they send money, how can they tell if it's actually a CRA officer that's trying to contact them? Well, Nancy, our agents would never call and threaten you like that. We've never sent the RCMP to your door. Those are scare tactics that fraudsters really hope will, um, you know, scare people into sending them money. And that's how they profit. We do not send text messages stating that, you know, here's your refund. Please click to to deposit. Um, the bottom line, really, and I know people find it scary to call us, but if you contact one of our agents, they'll be able to verify if there's any notes on your account or any indication that one of our agents actually did and try to reach out to you. Um, and that would be safer than just, you know, assuming that worst case scenario and buying those gift cards or, you know, clicking on those links that could infect your computer as well. Oh, for sure. So, you know, never give any information over the phone, never respond to a text message. And if someone does call, best thing to do, hang up, look up the actual phone number for Revenue Canada online and give them a call. I agree. It always, um, 
um, you know, it, it, it's so disheartening, right, when I hear the stories of people who've been scammed sending gift cards and sending uh, money to people who uh, claim to be CRA officers. It's happened to my own clients. I'll get a call to say, you know, I thought this was included in my bankruptcy. I just got a call. They're threatening to come to my house and arrest me. And, you know, I, I, I talk them down uh, to let them know, like, no, no, that this is this is a scam and there's nothing for you to worry about. No one is coming to, to your house. So lots of different scams out there when it comes uh, to Revenue Canada. But, you know, when all else fails, don't do anything but pick up the phone and call CRA directly and not a number that you've been provided by the, some, by the person on the phone. Well, we've got some time now for some final thoughts. So I'll start with you, Melanie. If you had a final thought for our listeners today, what would it be? I want our listeners to know that the CRA is here to help Canadians, and we are here to help with all of your questions, whether you think they're too small to call or they're they're larger questions. And you can reach our General Inquiries Contact Center for personal income tax at 1-800-959-8281. And if you may have business inquiries, you can reach the business center at 1-800-959-5525. And those agents are willing to answer any and all questions you may have. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today. Thanks for having me, Nancy. And Mike, if you could leave our listeners with a final thought today, what would it be? Um, for me personally to be, you know, if you have a complicated tax situation to, to seek help and, you know, seek a, seek a tax professional advice, um, it could save you a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of headaches in the long run on, you know, potential errors and, and whatnot. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, make sure you're getting your taxes done on time to ensure, you know, that you're not getting any delays on any of your benefits. You're not incurring any additional interest and penalty charges that, that, that are unnecessary just because, you know, just because you put it off, um, it, it doesn't really go away. So, uh, so I think that's the best, the best advice that I could give people, um, as a final thought today. Um, if you wanted to reach out to, uh, to, to BDO and, and to us and our, our, um, our exceptional tax team, um, we can, our general line is uh, 709-579-2161 and we would be more than happy to help. Yeah, and we do have a phenomenal tax team at BDO, and I don't think I'm biased in, in saying that you guys are, are super, and, and you know, I, I see uh, the great advice that you're offering our clients uh, every single day. So uh, you know, don't hesitate if you're out there. Like I said, if it's your first time being self-employed and you're not sure what you should and shouldn't be be doing, picking up the phone is the best thing um, best thing that you could do. And, and again, if you have underused housing, you're not sure if you should be filing, for sure pick up the phone on that because the penalty is significant. As we always say on the show, the best thing you can do is get advice, right? So don't stress about anything. Um, don't, you know, create that anxiety for yourself about filing if you think you're going to owe taxes. Contact Revenue Canada. Get some advice from them. Contact a tax professional to potentially get some help in, in filing your return. It's always a worthwhile uh, thing to do. So thank you, thanks to both of you again for joining me and sharing your expertise and, and advice with our listeners today. And as always, I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. If you have a comment or question or maybe a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money with Nancy Sneddon, you can email me at yourmoney@bdo.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@bdo.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon.
the BDO License Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.